Amen. You have your Bibles tonight? Man, what a great message Nikki ministered last week. Man, I love that when she talked about casual and, and just such, such a great word. Encourage you to go back and listen to that. Also, encourage you to go back and listen to Dr. Savell's message from Sunday as well. Um, but in my time with you since the beginning of the year on Wednesdays, I've been uh, is dealing with the aspect of prayer and a house of prayer, also this house of faith. So my assignment has been continuing to hammer on this and imparting a spirit of faith. Because we are a heritage of faith, and and so therefore I want us to be a people of faith. That we just don't call ourselves heritage of faith, but we're leaving a legacy of faith to the next generation. And because, you know what, faith is precious. We've seen that, right? Faith is precious. We've seen faith is powerful. We've seen how faith pleases God. And we've talked a lot about trust and establishing this aspect of trust. And I want to take this a little further in, a, in, in another aspect of trust. And I want to deal with the word confidence tonight. I want to deal with the word confidence. So um, go to Second Timothy chapter 1. <clears throat> 2 Timothy chapter 1. So tonight I'm going to just go far as we can go as for the sake of time. And when I feel that it's time to stop, I'm just going to stop and, and, um, and we'll pick up next week. Hallelujah. Now, a lot of a scripture we've gone to a lot and you know, they say it's the scripture that you know, Kenneth Hagin probably wrote. Um, but he didn't really. But um, in, in Mark 11 where it says, have faith in God. You know, when we talk about faith, we're not having faith in our faith. We're not having, um, we're having faith in God. It's, 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 it's a personal relationship, right? He that comes to God must believe that he is. It's, it's, it's a relationship. It's personal. It's getting to know him personally. And so have faith in God. It's having faith. It's having confidence. It's having trust in a person. And as we look at 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12... And really, we could start in verse 9, but for the sake of time, just look on to verse 12. And it, he says this, For the which cause I also suffer these things, nevertheless. Meaning, I'm going through things, nevertheless. I am not ashamed. For I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. Hold fast the form of sound words. Now, now think about this. He says, for the which cause I also suffer these things nevertheless. Meaning I'm going through things nevertheless. Meaning just because I'm facing something doesn't change my position. You see, and that's, that's the biggest thing about a life of faith is faith has nothing to do with what your five physical senses are telling you. Faith has nothing to do with what's happening around you. Where the Apostle Paul say in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we walk by faith and not by sight. Amen. You ever, you just, I, my dad growing up, you, you, every Sunday morning before we went to church, and this was, I grew up church of God, and, and it wasn't necessarily what we would call word of faith, but every Sunday morning my dad would listen to Fred Price. Yeah. And he would always say somewhere, somewhere in that message, he's going to say, walk by faith and not by sight. 
He's going to say that somewhere along the line. Because what? It's so important because faith has nothing to do with what you're seeing right now. Or what you're not seeing. Has nothing to do with that. So Paul's saying, I've suffered these things. Nevertheless, I'm not ashamed. For I know. Why is he not ashamed? He knows something. He, he's convinced of something. He doesn't have an idea about something. He's convinced of something. He is sold on it. It's, uh, I know this. It's, you can take it to the bank. I know this. I'm not ashamed. Why? Because I know something. He says, I know. Is there, he doesn't say, I know what I believe. See, too often we are too worried about or what we're believing instead of who we're believing. See, if you, if you get to where you believe the who, the what will come behind it. I know in whom I have believed, and I guess I am persuaded that he is able. He is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. He is able. I'm persuaded. Now, I'm going to bring this out because we're going to deal with another word persuaded in a moment. This word persuaded is, is I am convinced beyond all argument. Meaning this, this word here of persuaded is different in another one we're going to talk about in a moment. And this word persuaded is, is don't try to argue with me about this. Meaning you can, you can try to debate with me. You can try to, to preach to me. You can try to, to, uh, use all your knowledge on me, but it's not going to change anything because I'm persuaded. I'm beyond argument. That's what this word persuaded means. Paul's saying, saying, yeah, I must, might suffer these things. Nevertheless, I'm not ashamed because I know in whom, whom I have believed and I am persuaded. I'm beyond argument that he is able to keep that which I've given unto him. Amen. Thank you, Father. I know, I'm assured of, I'm convinced, I'm persuaded, I'm confident. You don't need to turn there, but uh, actually go ahead and turn to Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4. Say thank God for the word. Now, before I read this, uh, I want to refer to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 5. It says, your faith does not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. So your faith, Paul says, your faith does not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Now, we have two sources that we build our life upon. Two sources we build our life upon. Number one, God's word. And that is what God thinks, what God says, and what God does. Or we build our life on what man thinks. And that's what man thinks, that's what man says, and that's what man does. But the Apostle Paul says here, our faith doesn't rest in the wisdom of man. So my faith isn't built upon what man thinks. My faith isn't built on what man says. And my faith isn't built on what man does. My faith is built on the power of God. My faith is built on what God says. Who God is. What God does. That's what my faith. I know in whom I have believed. So, so what are you building your life on? 
what God thinks, what God says, and what God does, or what man thinks, what man says, and what man does. Now let's look at Romans chapter 4. Thank you, Father. You know, Abraham had a decision to make. He had to make a decision because he was faced with, am I going to live my life based on what God thinks, says, and does, or am I going to live based on what I think, say, and do? He had to make a decision. This is a point of decision. So faith is a point of decision. Faith is a, faith really is a choice. What you believe is a choice. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Verse 19. Abraham, it says Abraham, it says, And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead when he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. It says, he staggered not at the promises of God through unbelief. Now, staggered not here. Staggered not. Now, we can look at it. Now, the word says a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. If you're unstable, you're staggering. So if I'm double-minded, um, if I'm double-minded, I'm going to stagger. I'm going to waver back and forth. So Abraham had to come to, point, to a point where it says this, he staggered not at the promises of God. How did he get to a place where he staggered not? He, cho- he, he stopped having a double mind. He staggered not the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. He was strong in faith, giving to glory. He didn't stagger. He didn't stagger. He staggered not the promises of God through unbelief. Meaning unbelief didn't keep him from focusing on what was rightfully his. But was strong in faith, giving glory to God. He was Strong in faith. He was strong. He increased in strength. He increased in faith. I wrote it down this way. He increased in strength. He increased in strength. How how did he increase in strength? When he gave praise and glory to God. When he gave praise and glory of God, he became stronger in faith. Thank you. Help me, Holy Spirit. Now, let's look at this. because We're talking about confidence, having confidence in God. Thank you, Lord. What, what, self-confidence. Self-confidence is about having faith in yourself. How do you get self-confidence? Someone praising you. You can you have self confidence, and, and, and it can be in a good way. It could it's good to have confidence. You know, if you're an athlete and you practice something over and over, you be, you need to be confident about your shot. You need to be 
confidence about your skill, confident about you. But what happened is because is because you cultivated something. You you spent time with something. You practiced something. Right. Or you could be negative self-confidence and in the fact of of you are high minded and you think you think you're better than someone else or and because you've been meditating on how good you are. Or maybe someone's been praising you and talking about you're so good at this and you're so good at this and you get what a big head. Right. So you got strong in faith. Right. In the wrong way. You, you got strong in faith as someone was praising you. Or you got strong in faith as you spent time with the right thing to make your skill better. Does that does that make sense? This this is just the the Holy Spirit just is is just bringing this out. I I didn't really plan any of this. So so it's just I just just sense this this as what you're yielding to, what you're spending time with, what you're um, giving glory to. See, he, he was made strong in faith when he gave glory to God. What are you spending time with? What are you giving glory to? Because what you're giving glory to is going to strengthen your faith. He was strong in faith as he gave praise and glory to God. Verse 21, and being fully persuaded... Here's Abraham. He was giving glory to God and he became strong in faith. We got to a point where he was strong in faith. And when he was strong in faith, he was what? He was fully persuaded. When you're fully persuaded, you can't be talked out of it. Now, now this word, this word persuaded is a little different than it's a totally different uh, Greek word. And it means fully convinced and assured of. Now, this word gives us a picture and an image in the Greek. And what this word is, what this image is, is this, to be filled with one thought. Now think about that. To be filled with one thought. See, when you're fully persuaded, you're just filled with one thought. Now, if you have a second thought, then now you're going to stagger because now you're a double-minded man. Now, Now think about it. You're filled with, so this word in the Greek for persuaded is this, filled with one thought. That's what the figure of this Greek word means, to be filled with one thought. Now, if you're just filled with one thought, does that, does that mean there's any room for a second thought? Because full is full. Full is full. You can't fill something more than full. It's full. So it's filled with one thought. So if we can get an understanding of what Abraham got to, a place of, how did he get to a place of confidence? He was filled with only one thought. You see, even, even for me, I want to get to a place that when I lay hands on someone, I'm not filled with any thought, but the fact that they're going to get healed. I don't want to be filled with any other thought that, that I'm going to prosper. Why? Because it's God's word gives me a right to that. And I have a covenant based in that. Filled with one thought. That's how Abraham got to a place where he had confidence. Because he was just filled with one thought. So you notice you, you, when... 
You can be confident about something. But you can have one person say something. And all of a sudden you start thinking about what that person said. And you're like, well, maybe I'm not good at that. Maybe, maybe I'm not a preacher. Maybe I'm not a minister. Maybe, maybe, maybe I wasn't supposed to move to Texas. Maybe I wasn't. And, and what happens, you see that? Because it's just with one thought. And what happens when that one thought comes in? Because all of a sudden you were confident. I remember when, when, I, when I moved to Texas and the Lord said this to me. He said, Justin, he, uh, it's a long story, but this is what he solidified in my heart. And this is what he told me. He said, Justin, you need to be convinced that this is where you are, where you're supposed to be. And I said, yeah, I know. I said, no, he goes, no, do you know this is where I've called you to be? Yes, sir. And he kept asking, do you know that this is where you're supposed to be? And, he, and I said, yes, sir. And he said, even when it may not come out the way you think it will, even when it doesn't go your way, see, that's where you have to settle it. It doesn't matter what happens. I've settled it. I know that I know that this is where I'm supposed to be. And see, that's where every argument ceases at that point because you're not, you can't argue me out of where I'm called anything because I know that I am persuaded. And because I'm persuaded, I can't take another thought because I'm persuaded. And that means I'm full of one thought, one thought. And tell you, when you get one thought, Confidence soars. Don't let the enemy bring a second thought to take away your confidence in God. Don't the en- let the enemy come against you with a second thought to talk you out of your calling, your purpose, your giftings. Don't let the enemy. That's why we have to forget those things that are behind and reach forth to those things that are before. Why? The things that are behind are going to talk me out of my confidence in the future. So that's why we, that's why press on to the mark. Of the calling of God in Christ Jesus. Why? I've got to, I can't look back because if I look him back, then I'm going to take a second thought. And then if I take a second thought, I'm not fully persuaded. And if not fully persuaded, then I'm not, then I'm going to stagger at the promise of God. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 3. Hebrews chapter 3. Bless you. Confidence. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Sake of time, let's look, just look at verse 6. It says, But Christ, as a son over his own house, whose house are we? Whose house are we? If, if, we're his house if we do something. But Christ, as a son over his own house, whose house are we? Meaning, I'm part of his house. But how do I stay a part of this house if I've got to do something? If I hold fast the confidence. See, you've got to hold fast to confidence because the enemy is always going to try to get to the second thought to where you let go of your confidence. Right? Hold fast the confidence 
And get this, and the rejoicing of the hope firm unto the end. What did, how did Abraham get strong in faith? He gave glory to God. He praised God. He celebrated God. And because he celebrated God, focused on God, he became strong in faith. And here it says here, hold fast the confidence, what? With rejoicing. With rejoicing, firm unto the end. Meaning, I don't change my position. I don't change what's coming out of my mouth. I don't change what, what I'm praising. I don't change anything that I'm doing. Only only thing I do, I'm holding fast to the confidence. I'm holding fast to the confidence. Now, this word hold fast... The hold fast means undoubting confidence, but the phrase in this scripture means this, undoubting confidence that's related to my fellowship with God. If you look it up in the Greek, that's a phrase in the scripture, and it's undoubting confidence relative to your fellowship with God, meaning as I stay in fellowship with God, I'll stay in a place of undoubting confidence. Because I'm staying with God, then he's always, he's just, God doesn't change and he's just going to keep giving me the same thought. He's going to keep giving me the same word, pumping me with the word, giving me the word, giving me the promise, giving me covenant, giving me, he's going to keep fueling the one thought. Now let's go to verse 14. Thank you, Father. For we are made partakers of Christ if we are partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence. Thank you, Father. We are made partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the end. We hold. Now, there's two words here that are similar. One, if we hold and steadfast. They're kind of similar words. If we hold the beginning of our confidence, steadfast. The word hold means steady. The word steadfast means steadiness of mind, firm, relying trust. So really, what is he saying here? As I begin in confidence, I'm to remain in confidence. So the word steadfast also is, actually, I'm sorry, the word hold means steadiness of mind. So I'm steadiness of mind. My mind is steady on something. I'm holding to confidence. Steadfast. The word steadfast is unshaken or constant. So here, if we hold the beginning, meaning, you see, a lot of times we, 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 we are good starters. (laughs) But are we finishers? You see, it's when, it's when those outside voices, right? Like, you don't need to keep working out. Oh, you don't need to go to church. You don't need, you know, it's like you, you, we start strong. But the thing is, is what he's saying here is a person of faith and a person of confidence finishes strong. So the way I, the way I begin in confidence all through the process until the end I am unshaken and constant. I'm steadfast. Meaning as I begin, meaning I'm going to carry that all the way through until the end. Amen. That's, that's trust. That's a life of faith. That's a life of confidence. But I've got to hold to it. 
I got to hold to it. Why? Because the enemy's always going to put thought, a second thought in. Go to Psalms 20. Psalms 20. Thank you, Lord. Give me seven more minutes. Thank you, Father. Psalms 20. Confidence. Thank you, Father. My confidence is in his word. My confidence is in his way, what he says and what he does. Psalms 20. Thank you, Father. Psalms 20, verse 6. David says here, he says, in the Amplified, he says, Now I know. See, the word know is convinced of something. Persuaded of something. Now I know that the Lord saves his anointed. He will answer him from his holy heaven with the saving strength of his right hand. Some trust and boast of chariots and some of horses. But we will trust in and boast of the name of the Lord our God. Now I know the Lord saves his anointed. He will answer him from his holy heaven with his saving strength of his right hand. Some trust and boast in chariots, some in horses, but we will trust and boast in the name of the Lord our God. Thank you, Father. The, David is talking about confidence here. I know that he saves his anointed. I'm persuaded. I just have one thought. He saves his anointed. Now, what does, it, what does trust and confidence look like in someone's life? Now, this was David speaking, so let's look at David. Let's go to 1 Samuel 17, and I'll, I'll close with this. I'll try to get this done in five minutes. Thank you, Father. 1 Samuel 17. Now, David was speaking, right? I, now I know. Let's look at a man of trust, a man of confidence. Let's, let's look at verse 38 first. Now, at this point in the story of David and Goliath, David's already committed to stand before the giant. He's standing in front of Saul, and Saul says, And Saul armed David with his armor, and he put a helmet of brass upon his head. Also he armed him with a coat of mail. And David girded his sword upon his armor, and he essayed to go, for he had not proved it. And David said unto Saul, I cannot go with these, for I have not proved them. And David put them off of him. Meaning Saul saying, hey, I've got the best armor. I'm the king. Have my armor. Have my sword. But what did David say? He goes, I haven't proved it. I haven't, I haven't, I haven't spent time with it. I haven't had the opportunity to give it glory. 
I haven't been able to spend time with it. And because I haven't spent time with it, I don't have faith in it. He put them off. And, but yet in verse 4 he says, And he took his staff in his hand and he chose him five smooth stones out of the brook and put them in a shepherd's bag, which he had even in his script and his sling was in his hand and he drew near to the Philistine. Now, let me ask a question. He didn't have faith in what the armor that Saul gave. But let me ask a question. Was his faith truly in five stones and a sling? Because really think about it in the natural. What, what could five smooth stones and a sling do to a man of his stature? If you think about it from the natural standpoint. It's like, I'm not going to do the, I'm not, I can't take that because I haven't proved it. But, but yet, you know what I've proved? I've proven five smooth stones and a sling. But I want you to understand, David didn't have faith in the tool. The tool was just an avenue that brought defeat. But what was his trust in? What was his confidence in? Let's go back to verse uh, 30. Actually, verse 32. And David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Now, it's interesting. David said, let no man's heart fail. Heart failing would be taking a second thought. Heart failing is going back. Heart failing, this, this, the, the word heart here is appetites. It's emotions. It's words. It's things. And it says heart failing. Let no man's heart fail because of what this guy says. Thy servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And Saul said to David, thou art not able to go against the Philistine to fight with him, for you are but a youth and a man of war from your youth. And David said unto Saul, thy, thy servant kept his father's sheep, and there came a lion and a bear and took a lamb out of the flock. And I went out after him and smote him and delivered him out of the mouth. And when he arose against him, I caught him by his beard and smote him and slew him. Thy servant slew both the lion and the bear, and this Philistine, uncircumcised Philistine, shall be as one of them, seeing he has defiled the armies of the living God. David said, moreover, the Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. And David said unto Saul, David, go. The Lord is with thee. Now let's go to verse 45 and I'll close with this. Then David, then said David to the Philistine, thou comest to me with a sword and with a spear and with a shield, but I come to you in the name of the Lord. You didn't say I didn't come to you in a sling, with a sling and a stone. You know, he didn't have a sling and a stone with the bear or the lion. He just had a staff. So what, what was the sling and the stone about? Thank you, Father. But I come to you with the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of armies of Israel, whom you defiled. This, defiled this day will the Lord deliver thee into my hand, and I will smite thee. Take thine head from thee, and I will give the carcasses of the hosts of the Philistines this day and the fowls of the air. 
and to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. And all this assembly shall know that the Lord saveth not with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give it, give it you into our hands. Trust and confidence. That's why David could say some trust in chariots, some trust in horses, but what? I'm going to trust in the Lord my God. He didn't trust in a tool. He trusted in the Lord. He didn't trust in his ability. He trusted in the Lord. He didn't trust in what he could do. He trusted in the Lord. He didn't trust what Saul could provide. He trusted in the Lord. So, Father, we thank you for your word tonight. And, Father, we as your people, Father, we make a statement of faith tonight that we are fully persuaded. Father, that we will be filled with just one thought. And it's the thought that you are our source. It's the thought that you are our victory. It's the thought that you are our redemption. It's the thought that you are our healer. It's the thought that you are the one that not only made promises, but fulfilled promises. I thank you, Father, that we hold to confidence to you. And we know in whom we have believed. And we are fully persuaded that you will accomplish that which you have already spoken. We give you praise for tonight and we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. You receive this word tonight. Hallelujah. God is faithful. Thank you, Lord.